Hello. Welcome. We are the intern ministers at Community Church of New York in Manhattan. We are Unitarian Universalists in the process of becoming ordained clergy. In this podcast, we delve into the life of an intern minister. We explore the ways our lives and internships intersect and how this is ministerial formation. I'm Megan Henry. I'm Carrie McAvoy. And we're, and we're revving, revving up! up. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Revving Up. Uh, it's so good to have you here listening or watching or watching and listening. I am coming to you from my childhood home in Oregon, and I'm uh, just so glad to be here. It's uh, good to see you again, Megan. I've been away for a little bit. Yeah, it's great to see you. I'm so, I'm so glad we're catching back up and getting getting back into the routine after the holidays and before the next set of holidays and in <laughs> right. the midst of another set of holidays. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, just wanted to remind our listening and watching community that you can always reach out to us at podcast at ccny.org. We also have a listening community, listener community on Facebook. Just uh, you can see how to get there from wherever you're getting this podcast in the notes. There should be some directions on how to join our Facebook group. And also, I am excited to announce the date for our live event. It will be on December 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern. So we would <laughs> love to have you join us. And as we always say, this is a community and conversation. So you are a critical part of that. Yes, yeah. big jazz, big, big jazz hands too. Yes! All that. Um, yes. It was so fun doing that last live event. And it was the first time any of us had done it and our, our producer, Amy, and the two of us in a room together. And then all mm. of our listeners chiming in and asking us real-time questions. And that conversation was just so fun. And maybe this time we'll have a special guest or two uh, in, in person. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. More excitement. So last podcast, uh, Megan, you and I talked about generosity and the spiritual practice of generosity. So I'd really be interested in carrying that discussion into stewardship and the fact that congregations need money to exist and to fulfill their mission. So I'm curious what we're learning about the minister's role in setting a culture, let's say, of spiritual generosity and spiritual practice of generosity and also actually paying the bills. What do you, mm -hmm. what, what do you think about that? Mm -hmm. I'm taking a class at Meadville Lombard right now called uh, Tools for Parish and Nonprofit Administration. And um, one of the things that we've been talking about in that class is fundraising uh, and the minister's role. And the things that I'm learning that are uh, kind of intuitively I picked up on from working in congregations before, but because I've never been in the role of minister, I didn't really know 
what the expectation is of the minister's involvement, other than usually there's a stewardship campaign that's run by, or a canvas, and it's run by like a, a team, and they do an annual ask of people to fill out their pledge forms for the next year, and those pledges are what help to the congregation see like how much money are we going to bring in, and what kind of are we going to meet our budget, and if we're not, what what's the gap in between and what can we do to make that up or you know it's a it's just a really important part of being in a spiritual community is financially supporting that community and so the minister's role um, varies depending on the congregation um, and also on the minister so my experience has been that ministers will preach a sermon on stewardship, general theme, whatever the, the theme is for the campaign that year on Celebration Sunday or Canvas Kickoff Sunday or Stewardship Kickoff or whatever that's called. And then there's a team of volunteers who are the people who kind of like carry that vision forward for the next, you know, six weeks or however long they've set as their goal for the stewardship campaign. Um, so I learned, I think that, I think what I learned is that for some ministers, they see it as their, one of their job to speak directly to the congregation about the needs and to be an example to the congregation by even saying from the pulpit, like, look, you all know how much money I make. You see it in the budget every year. I'm telling you, this is how much I'm pledging. This is my tithe. This is why I do it. You know, give talk about that that story, that essential story that moves um, that moves you. Like, why why do I, as the minister, do this? Like, why is this so important? How do I see this as such a vital um, community? And it changes people's lives. And I see that as the minister. And here's an example of a person's life who's changed by it. And I, that's why I give money to this. And this is how much I give and blah, blah, blah. And will you join me? Won't, I'm inviting you to please join me in also giving 5% or something like that. And a funny thing that our professor said was, you know, you can also be really authentic and say, you know, in most religious communities, you're expected to tithe 10%. And here, look, I'll give you a break. Just tithe 5%, you know, or something like that. Like make it funny, make it personal, talk about how much one gives as the minister. These are all new things to me. I just thought that the minister just like preached a generalized like sermon about giving and how important it is to support the congregation and the ministry and the vision of the congregation, but not making it so personalized. So I'm curious, Carrie, do you, is like, is what I'm saying, do you, are you thinking like, oh, I've never seen that before, or oh yeah, that's totally the way I thought it was supposed to be done. Um, how, what has been your experience with this? So um, my experience with this, for one, there's a whole uh, dialogue over whether the minister should be a uh, member of the congregation or not, oh, or right, paying yes. membership dues or not, or membership, you know, donating to the church or not. So that's mm -hmm. a whole um, varies by culture to culture, uh, um, congregation to congregation. So there's that aspect. There's also, <clears throat> I think my, my um, 
experience of UU congregations is that it's not always obvious how much people should be pledging. If, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, it, like my experience when I came into the congregation, I never got any guidelines on what an acceptable amount was. Oh, right. And, um, and uh, also many of our UU congregations are not even comfortable talking about money at all. So mm-hmm, we yes. don't, we don't talk, the members don't talk mm-hmm. to each other saying, Hey, this is why I donate this much because mm-hmm. I feel like, um, excuse me. Yeah. Oh, you, you got a little cold out there, didn't you? I did. I'm I sorry. did. <clears throat> so I think part of, um, part of the minister's role is really to guide culture change to, um, kind of set expectations around what it, how much people should be giving, whether it's money or time or resources or um, something like that. Um, why it's important to invest your time, talent, and treasure in a congregation. And um, also, I think sometimes our congregations, particularly with new members, they come in with a consumer, a consumeristic kind of um, attitude about it. So, you know, <clears throat> people might think I just go to church and I put 20 bucks in the plate and stuff. And, and that's, and that's the extent of my involvement. So um, <clears throat> I think for me as a minister, what I would want to do is kind of help guide the culture change. Um, how can mm-hmm. we be talking about generosity as a spiritual practice, not just on the sermon on the amount once a year, but, um, but, you know, ongoing let's, what is generosity? How do we, um, how do we really create an environment of generosity and understand what it takes to make this congregation work and how that changes your own spiritual journey to be a part of that? But wait, did you really just say the sermon on the amount? I did. <laughs> That's so great. I've never heard that. I love it. That is Yes, that's so good. Sermon on the amount. Yep. I love that. Yep. Um, so, okay, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. There's some things that are popping up for me. One is, um, one is around um, the uh, abuse of power, right? Like I, um, I watched this like prosperity gospel preacher with a patient this summer because that's like what he wanted to do when I was in my CPE and he was like really wanting to like watch this religious show and because I I was a chaplain he was like you like religion right like here come watch the show with me and it was just so disturbing but also we, we had a good conversation about it but I just I, I think for me it's really important for people to understand that that's not we're not doing that thing where it's like well, if you don't give to this community, you're not welcome here or you're not going to be um, like there's not like heaven does not is not open to you somehow. Like whatever that translation might be for Unitarian Universalists in whatever community, it could be that the the beloved community is not open to you because you're not giving enough or, you know, whatever that could be. And I think a lot about um, especially in the Brooklyn congregation that I serve it's, um, there are just tons of, you know, like struggling young adults who are living in group houses with five other people and working multiple jobs so that they can live in New York City. And 
um, it's tough. And to, I don't, as the minister, I don't want to get up there and make them feel crappy because they're not giving enough. And at the same time, I want them to feel like a part of this thing. Like I want them to be able to be feeling really welcomed and a part of it. So how, how to strike that balance. And I think as the minister, there, there, there's like pastoral issues that come up when you're talking about giving money um, because money is so triggering for people. Um, money is one of the big things that really can like, you know, just talking about it can turn people off. And so it's a nuanced thing and I, I, and I don't know the answer yet. And I hope that I can kind of come into my own as a minister in a congregation that I really get to know very well so that I understand how to talk to them about this in a way that's going to not alienate people, that's gonna bring everyone into the big tent of welcome and beloved community, as opposed to talking about money in such a way that makes some people feel bad and excluded and like they don't, they don't belong. And at the same time, like it's important. I know when I give money, I feel so much more, um, I feel in touch and in tune and invested and like I'm a part of the bigger picture. So can I do that if I'm only able to pledge $100 a year? Will I still feel that good when I know that there's people pledging 1200, right? Like how do we, and, and is it possible to ask the people who have more resources and more money to consider that part of what they're doing is giving a little bit extra to help cover some of those young folks who are just coming out of college with tons of debt and can't find a professional job and are working at bookstores and restaurants and as baristas just to try to make it by until they can get that kind of like salaried professional job with benefits. You know, they're, we're, it's the big, it's the big C community, the whole thing. Um, how do we all, you know, some of us give a little bit, some of us give a medium amount, some of us give a lot, and that changes over time as to who can afford what. And there's always going to be people in each of the different generations and age group categories who are going to fall into different places on that scale. Yeah, another nuance to all of that, well, in, in particularly around stewardship campaigns, um, mm -hmm. I've, <clears throat> I've heard some controversies over like the minister being expected to talk with the major donors. Um, mm -hmm. And I think about like almost bought access to the minister. Like, um, Ooh, yeah, I want uh, that's that's kind of uh, something I really think about. Like, I can see how congregations with large donors are really tricky. And the um, that's sometimes the best way to uh, get resources like one person, more resources, but also that, or having a special dinner for the major donors or something like that. So what do you, what do you think about that? <clears throat> well, I always hear this thing that when, so I've, I've never had lots of money in my life, so I don't know what it is to be that person. But what I've heard is that if you, if you like people who have lots of wealth, when they are, when, a, when you spend some money on them, they are more generous or something? Like, have you heard this? Like, I, I don't know how it all works. I, I really need to talk to a, a professional fundraiser to find out. 
for I think that there is something to be said for having a special get together for the folks who are all the big donors who this, the campaign is asking to donate first, to make their pledges first. So that when you go into the kickoff, the celebration Sunday, you can say, um, we've, you know, we've reached out to all of our board members and some of our big donors. And so we're able to actually start off our campaign um, with already $150,000 pledged of the $300,000 we need to raise this year. Um, so you've got like a little cushion, a pillow to, or like a jump board, jumping board, I don't know, all the metaphors to, um, to start off on Celebration Sunday. I think there's something to be said for that. I think that the danger is in what you say around people who get who are big donors who think that then they have extra say in what happens. They have extra access to the minister. They have they count more somehow. And I think that that's just really up to the culture and the minister to counter that by being very uh, clearly well boundaried and by establishing a culture of. Um, you know, I I hear you, and if you threaten to take your money away, if you don't get your thing, you know, take your ball and go home, I will not be pressured by that, right? Mm -hmm. So when the donor comes and says, I want, I don't want that Black Lives Matter banner on the front of the building, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna take my $10,000 a year pledge and go home, then I think that that's the time to let that person go. I mean, I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't say immediately, well, then just go, but I wouldn't say, oh, oh, goodness, yes, let's take that down for you. No, I think that when people realize that they don't get their way by wielding, by threatening, um, mm -hmm. then that culture is being set and that's a way to stay away from that idea that people who give more money have more say. Yeah, I've also heard of um, that weaponizing of, pledging yeah. it in mm -hmm. like groups who are part of this particular program and there's not enough uh, money to give as much to that program in the, in that year. So they will try to withhold their pledges. So that happens in groups mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <clears throat> um, it's just a time when being that minister who has really good boundaries and is really firm and secure in your principles and values and knowing that you have a committee on ministry and a board that really supports that. Um, knowing, you know, I think it's important to have that, those conversations with the leadership team every year also, so that you can all be on the same page together. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it takes a little while. Sometimes those cultures are really embedded and it can be, I don't know, I've never like walked into this situation as a minister, but I've seen others do it and it, mm -hmm. it can take a while to change the culture, right? Yeah. But, um, but I think there is just, it's about being honest and clear um, and having, you know, I mean, having everyone, having the leadership on board. So it's not just falling on the one senior minister, but it's the whole leadership team together who is like together as like as the parents, <laughs> not getting divided. I want to talk about one other aspect, and that is um, kind of a generational move away from pledging towards mm -hmm. um, giving on an ongoing basis or just giving when, when the resources are available. And um, 
how do we handle that with budgeting? How can we make room for that in who ha- who um, is a member who is not? I, I've heard a lot of these these issues around. How do we accommodate this alternate model of giving that um, that is becoming a generational uh, difference? And what's the model as opposed to making a pledge for the year and then paying a monthly amount or whatever? The, what's mm-hmm. what's the what's the other what's the alternative? It's um it's giving whenever. Um, whenever they can, whenever, mm. whenever, whenever they're at church or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really, yeah. That can be very tough to track, right? So you don't really know, like somebody might throw, you know, 20 bucks in the collection plate every Sunday and think that they are making a pledge, mm-hmm. but there's nothing on record. Nobody mm-hmm. knows that they're doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it can be very difficult because one of the issues is that the the people who are on the finance committee have to make a budget. They have to know that they're going to be able to pay the staff, that they're going to be able to pay the health insurance for the staff. Um, there are a lot of justice issues involved just even in a congregation serving as an employer. So there needs to be some, they, they need to know that they're going to be able to be good employers and guarantee um, that the staff are going to have all of the benefits that they have been, you know, hired uh, with the promise of. So it can be if there's no um, if there's no way to know how much money is going to come in during the year, it's very difficult to build a budget and know that you're going to be able to care take care of your staff and fund your programs and your 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 mission. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that. Um, yeah, one That's of the a tough one. one of the things that I heard about in um, in my administrative tools class was um, maybe even just changing the language from pledge to sustaining membership. Mm-hmm. Um, like for many um, public media kind of campaigns, they'll say, "Okay, mm-hmm. just give ten dollars a month, and we'll take it directly out of your bank, your uh, debit card, or whatever." Yeah. And, um, yep. So maybe just simple <clears throat> language mm-hmm. change might might change the dialogue a little bit. Yeah, that's great. Um, we should think of a, a way. I love sustaining member, and I, we should think of a way, like another name for that, so that it doesn't automatically make a person think of like their local NPR affiliate or whatever. Right. <laughs> right. Because I think that's what they say, right? But right. but it's such good language. It's like mm-hmm. you're the person who is keeping. It's like Patreon, right? Mm-hmm. It's like when you mm-hmm. when you pay 10 bucks a month to to support a patreon um like your favorite podcast or whatever Mm -hmm. i think that it's so yeah it's so important and that's yeah that's that's um something that many young people are um accustomed to and aware of so what can we call it that's Mm -hmm. a challenge for our listeners i think would could we please work on this let's work on it together in our facebook community our listening community, because um, this is something that we all need to figure out. And I think that there are going to be those of you out there who are going to start like um, Googling synonyms for these um, terms and come up with a a clever phrase that we can start using. That would be amazing. So how about that? So shall we move this conversation to our our Facebook group? And- Cool. Good, good. This has been good. I mean, it's, it's an ongoing conversation, right? And I would love to hear what other people think about it. And like, should the minister be a member? Should the minister 
pledge? Should the ministers say how much they're pledging, what their percentage is that they are giving to be a sustaining member? Um, what are some of the um, suggested uses of language around that? How do you handle as a minister having to preach a new sermon on this topic every single year? Uh, there's always so much you could say about it, right? Or is it or not? Maybe there's just like a wealth of like um, topics out there that I'm just not tapped into. We would love to hear what you all, our beloved listener and community, um, have to say about that. Absolutely. So thank you for being part of this ongoing conversation. We look forward to hearing from you um, at podcast at ccny.org. Don't forget about the live event on December 17th, is it? Yes, December 16th, sorry, 16th at 7 o'clock Eastern Time. That's and right. Thank you. thank you for being here. Yeah. All right. Take care. Be well. We love you. See you next time. Bye.